Welcome to So You're Kinda a Big Deal, a weekly podcast deep diving into the lives of emerging and established tattoo artists. Listen in as we dig into origin stories, industry hot topics, and what it takes to survive in the world of tattooing. This is Tattoo Shop Talk. Join your hosts, Sean Headley and Dave Allen, every week as we host a new guest. It's no secret Dave and I have a good guy connection, but we have a great relationship with many respected suppliers. Working with Lucas Ford at Classic Tattoo, I saw firsthand the blood, sweat, and stress he went through building Good Guy. Creating products for your peers is no easy task. With many to critique any small missteps, including myself, tattooer owned and family operated since day one. With Lucas, Rob, and Natalie at the helm, you know exactly what you are getting. High quality products, fair prices, and excellent customer service. Shop, support, Good Guy. The Hold Fast Social Club keeps expanding and adding features to make the life of tattooers easier. We just launched a classified section for pros only. Sell your tattoo gear, prints, whatever in one spot. This is on top of a platform with peer-to-peer vouching, direct connect, a wait list, and geo-searching. Now you can find guest spots or forever homes at studios everywhere. No guessing, no awkward conversations. See what shops or artists have to offer. Mark them as favorites or add yourself to their waitlist to let them know you are interested. Old Fast Social Club keeps adding features to make connecting easy. Pros only. A place where the best of us can elevate each other. I feel like I should put glasses on just to be like you guys. Well, yeah. Yeah, but you look dumb. We look good. That's not what, no, no, that's not what my mom told me. No. <laughs> She said I'm smart. <laughs> I just can't see shit without him anymore. I, oh, I really? Can't, I'm lucky I'm nearsighted, so I can tattoo without them. But uh, any, any sports or anything I do, I got to have fucking contacts in or glasses on or else I'm going to fucking just hurt myself. No, it's was, the opposite for me. Yeah, I was actually rolling once with, in jujitsu and <laughs> Five minutes in, I was like, oh, I'm wearing my fucking glasses still. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised nobody said anything. Oh. No, man, I have, I have one of my training partners actually trains with a toothpick in his mouth. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Like, you need to have the glasses just for eye protection. No, totally. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're good at jujitsu, but we're not very smart otherwise. So, yeah. <laughs> but. <laughs> Life has its trade-offs. Oh, Absolutely. Man. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Jeff, thank you so much for joining us on uh, So yeah, You're sure. Kind of a Big Deal. Um, this episode, of course, is brought to you, everybody, by Holdfast uh, Social Club and Good Guy Supply. And we're going to start with the very generic, like we do every week. Tell us who you are and uh, how you got your start. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm Jeff Croce. Uh been tattooing in the San Francisco Bay Area for a long time, but 26 years in total. And uh, I got, I don't know, maybe it's not kind of a funny start, but I started, well, I really wanted to tattoo. I was getting tattooed a little bit and I lived up in the mountains east of here uh, about three hours and um, did a few scratcher tattoos on some friends and shit. And um a uh, guy opened a shop. So I was working in a acute psych unit as like kind of a glorified orderly. 
and a guy opened up a tattoo shop, which was pretty much on my way home from work. And some of my friends got some little tattoos from him. And uh, a side note, his name is Jason Voorhees, like the guy from Friday the 13th. Um, <laughs> but uh, so he, um, I started hanging around there and I knew pretty quick, like I need, I need to be part of this. Uh, and I could draw a tiny bit. And so I'd hang around and make myself useful and do drawings for, uh, you know, if, if he needed a little drawing, he couldn't draw really at all. Um, and so I, I knew like if I made myself useful long enough that I would have a job. <laughs> and so after, I don't know, six months of that or something like that, you know, basically going there five, six days a week, at least for a few hours, He's asked me if I wanted to be the apprentice, and uh, of course I said yeah. And about two weeks later, he had me making tats. Amazing. And, uh, yeah, just like two that. weeks. Like, two, <laughs> yeah, it was two weeks. He was like, get one of your friends in here. He's kind of a <laughs> kind of a fake biker guy. Uh, like he'd always be like, the best inkers in the world are behind bars, bro. Like, <laughs> Like that, 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 that was one of his taglines and whatnot. But you know, he he opened the door for me, and uh, I was pretty much a shithead. So, and I thought I knew better. So I was coming down to the Bay Area and getting tattooed. I got tattooed by Aaron Kane a couple times and some shit like that. And you know, I was reading the magazines and seeing what everyone else was doing, and I was like, okay, this guy really doesn't know what he's doing. But that was my foot in the door, and. Uh, like I said, I was kind of a dickhead. So, you know, looking back on it, to be a hundred percent honest, I didn't give him the respect that he deserved because he opened the door to me. I just saw this guy who wasn't really great at any aspect of his craft. Uh, and I, I, just, I wanted to do better, but I didn't know how to do better without being a, a dickhead. So. Yeah, sometimes uh, though, sometimes the best mentor mentorship you can get is an example of not, what not to be. You know, like yeah. it, it's sometimes better to learn that early in your career than have to figure it out ten years in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, after about I don't know, probably six months, he fired me for being a dickhead. And once I started tattooing, it was just like the doors were open. Like I didn't give a shit. And yeah, but I think like my third tattoo was for money, um, like on a client. And it was, it was so fucked, man. He, I did like a little traditional swallow, probably slightly bigger than, a um, a quarter, uh, on a very mature woman's tit. <laughs> and he had me do everything lines and shading with a single needle and color everything with a single oh. needle. <laughs> I'd love to see that tattoo today. Oh, I, <laughs> I'd love to see so, that tattoo just three weeks afterwards. Yeah, it was yeah. fucking gnarly. I mean, immediately afterwards, it was fucking gnarly. Like, yeah, it was so blown out, and I there was just no, I had no business doing that. What you know, like I probably still couldn't do that well if I, you know, somebody just gave me a single needle and took a really, really. Uh, loose boob and said make a yeah. clean tattoo on it yeah and just that like the the older 
like no more elastic kind of paper mache <laughs> skin. Paper mache skin. Yeah. The the like, needle just, just went in. <laughs> yeah. Just blows apart like oops. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it was all bloody, like bleeding a bunch and shit. Oh man. Anyways, yeah. So that was my first tattoo for money. And uh he shit canned me with you know, I, I don't blame him pretty quick. And then um I was tattooed out a little spare bedroom in my house and I was tattooing out of that. And I made a deal with the guys in the hospital in the, uh, the clean room. I could bring them some tubes and stuff like once a week and they'd throw them in the autoclave and give them back to me. Um, and then I came down to San Francisco and I got tattooed by Nala Smith at, um, at tattoo city and the second or third time my girlfriend at the time had come with me and she had a like kind of a half sleeve thing with a, uh, a, probably a green Tara on her, you know, the Tibetan deity. Yeah. 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 So, oh, who did that? And she was like, oh, you know, him. And he was all like, Oh, that's, you know, pretty good. How long you've been tattooing? And I was like, I'm, you know, eight months or something like that. And he was like, well, you're on the right track. You know, if you got any questions, let me know. And at that point he just, he was incredibly generous. He just opened himself up to me. Um, like I was saying, it's about a three hour drive. And, you know, once he finished the tattoo on my forearm, he, uh, let me you know come down. We, we became friends and he came down, I would drive down and bring a packet of photos and drawings and shit. And He'd be like, this sucks. This sucks. Your lines suck. Everything sucks. Like, fix yourself. <laughs> and, you know, and I, I'm okay with that. Like, I'm not like sensitive like that. You know, like you tell me I'm fucking up. I'll try not to be fucking up anymore. Um, yeah. And then a little bit after that, he moved back to New York and that was really great. Like I was trying to learn how to, when I was with the apprentice guy, I only used rounds. And he only used rounds, except for he would use six flats if he was going to do some hair, and he would use it <laughs> in a liner. And yeah, so I was like, "What are these magnums? I have to do magnums." <laughs> and so Nala taught me over the phone how to make magnums over the phone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, with the like thread the edge of the razor blade through the needles, and you know, and. It worked. Awesome. I, learned how to, I learned how to do it. And then I was off, you know, making, making needles. And around that time too, they had, uh, I remember who it was like JD Dyer, Dwyer and Dennis Crow had the big tattoo convention in San Francisco. And it was just like blew my fucking mind. Marcus and Adrian and, uh, Guy Jason and, uh, Aaron and fucking Schmo dog. And like all the, you know, 1997's cream of the crop or yeah i was at that show oh were you oh awesome yeah yeah that was an amazing year yeah yeah that was it's cool how many tattooers were there that like i end up talking to and stuff this you know these days yeah yeah i have pictures of like me and steve moore and a a Mm -hmm. smaller group of us and stuff we were all that was a that was an awesome weekend and then when new york the first year of new york uh tattoo convention Nala and Patrick were actually out that way, Patrick Conlon. And I got yeah. to meet them and, and watch Patrick tattooing down. 
I forget the shop, but you go in and then you go through the trap floor and then there's a tattoo shop underground. Oh, was, that, was it East Side Inc.? It wasn't East Side Inc. No, it okay. was, it was, uh, uh, fuck, what was yeah. the name of it? Anyways, yeah, it was a piercing shop upstairs and then underground was the tattoo shop because it oh. had only become legal that year. Right. So a lot of the shops were still underground. But yeah, just watching uh, Eric, uh, I believe he went on to work at uh, da Vinci. He worked at Mums in San Francisco way back mm -hmm. then. He was getting a huge tattoo by Patrick Conlon. It was just so awesome to watch those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Fuck oh. yeah. That's that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So I scratched out of the bedroom for I don't know, maybe a year, and then I was like, I gotta, I gotta make my way to the big city and make my way in tattooing. So. I moved down here and asked around for a job a bunch and, you know, kind of whittled it. I started big and got smaller and smaller to, you know, to some extent. And then, uh, Paco Dietz at Graven Image down, uh, towards San Jose, uh, took me in and I worked there with him for nine years to the day. Wow. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And, uh, I haven't worked very many places. Um, and, you know, things ran their course with him, and I had met Jason Kundell in the meantime, and I was actually trying to get a job with Orly Lokiao at Humble Beginnings in San Jose, but Orly told Jason, and Jason, uh, Jason hit me up and was like, hey, I heard that, you know, you're looking to move on, and they had opened Seventh Son, uh, I think a year before that or something like that, and so I got the job at seventh son and that was amazing and a dream come true. And I did actually for about two years, I worked in San Jose with Orly one or two days a week, um, which was super cool. And he's, he's just such an amazing person. I don't know if you're familiar with him as a tattooer or anything. I'm actually, no, no, he, he pretty much only does Polynesian, uh, you know, style tattooing. Um, yeah. his shops called humble beginnings and, but he's a, he's a great tattooer, but he's just a fucking amazing person. Like he's just so kind and loving and he just has built this amazing community around him. And, uh, cool. he had his 20th shops, 20th anniversary, um, very recently. And we went down to that and it was just like, it was such a testament to the type of person he is, like the amount of love that showed up for his, his 20th there. Um, awesome. But he, yeah, I worked. I worked at Seventh Son. Um, started off with Campisi, George, and Jason, Luke, Eric, Reith, and Joey Armstrong. Um, what year guys? was that that you started? <laughs> two thousand two thousand eight. Okay, well, that's an amazing shop. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was. It was like it was everything I ever wanted out of tattooing. Um, did I say Luke? Yep. Yes. Luke. Okay. Yeah. I'll make sure I didn't forget Luke. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've never, never wanted out of, out of tattooing, like, um, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was fucking fantastic. And just, you know, George and Jason and I would be there till midnight all the time, drawing our asses off and talking shit and stuff like that. And then, uh, uh, Joey forced me to into jujitsu for a long time. Um, which is also a fairly good story. I wrestled a bit in high school 
and he didn't know it. And we were fucking shithoused in the shop one night, a bunch of us. And they would always, the jujitsu guys would always jujitsu. Like, and I would just, I don't want any part of that because I don't want to get my ripped off. But, and Joey'd be like, come on, let's wrestle, Croce. And I'd be like, yeah, I'm good. I don't want any part of that. And then this one night, he and he was definitely more drunk than me. But he he's like, come on, come on. And goaded me into it. And then I think he was a brown belt at the time. But he might have been a purple belt. But, and then I took him down. And then he fucked me up. <laughs> but it was like all of a sudden he was like and i was like and he's like come on <laughs> but then i took him down again and a few seconds later i'm like ah and then and then but then he was like ah and, and he's like come on <laughs> and so i think i did it three times and each time like he just like my neck was sore for like a week afterwards and he's like choking the shit out of me and arm locking me and shit and yeah, <laughs> I, I think I think we didn't work the next day, but then the following day, he's like, "All right, bro, we're training tomorrow morning," and I was like, "No, nah, that's cool, I'm good." And he's like, "It's not a fucking choice." Doesn't <laughs> <laughs> like getting bullied at work. <laughs> like oh, okay, but it was cool, I'm, and I'm glad I did, and I was doing that for quite a while and then i hurt my knee surfing and missed a year uh, i had to get an acl replacement and the mcl was torn off the attachment and the whole thing was fucked and then when i went back it just felt like a job i don't i don't know now i miss it i now i wish i had stuck with it after i went back more but yeah anyway yeah because you guys used to have kurt osiander come and bum around your oh, shop yeah. didn't he I, yeah, yeah, yeah i was that's... i was there one day i was in your shop one day yeah okay and he was there and I couldn't believe it. I was like, I don't know anything about fucking jujitsu, but I know that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kurt, Kurt was there every day for years. Uh, in there, sometimes he'd be drawing or just being crazy. And, uh, and that's, and that's who I trained under. I mean, it was at Half's, but. Oh, okay. Never, yeah. I almost never saw Half. Like in yeah. the, the five years consistent before I hurt my knee, I can't say I saw Half more than, you know, 20 times maybe. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it was Kurt, and Kurt was my teacher, and uh, and he was just fucking fantastic at that. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then so, you know, ups and downs at Seventh Son and different people and everything. Um, for thirteen and some year, change years, I think. Um, maybe fourteen. Uh, I don't know. It was 13, either 13 or 14 years. And then uh, I just I just really needed a change. And so 2020, the first year of COVID, I was off a good chunk of the year. Um, and then we kind of spaced stuff out in the shop to like, you know, there's a lot of people that work there. Um, so we changed the days and I was working by myself a bit. And then I just kind of, I, I guess I just came a little bit to that point where I just like really needed a change. And so Cindy Maxwell and I, she had been, she had been there and then left and then briefly come back. And then she was ready to leave again. And we opened up a, a private studio together. Nice. Cindy's awesome. Uh, oh man. She's fucking fantastic. And incredible such an, tattoo. 
great tattooer. Fuck. Man. Yeah. Yeah. I did a guest spot in uh, Seattle at uh, uh, Dark Age. No, Slave to the Needle. Slave to oh. the Needle? Yeah. Yeah. I met her there. She, I couldn't believe her work. It was just like, who are you? A fucking. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And just a sweetheart. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love watching her tattoo, man. It's like her back, like she's just like, just tattooing. And then it's like, like magic. The background is like this uniform or perfect gradation of soft grays and stuff. And, and, yeah, I, I I love her work, and I feel really uh, lucky to get to spend my time with her. Yeah, amazing, awesome. amazing. And I that's had... still in the San Francisco Bay Area, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we're we're there, and it's been two years and a couple months now. And um, you know, I don't totally know what the future holds, and I don't know that she does either. But I'd like to. I hope that it gets to be with her, where you know we stay there for a while longer, or you know, I. I don't, I think she's thought about it a little bit and I've thought about a little bit, maybe having like a storefront and something like really small, but with a storefront instead of just oh, like cool. ultra private. Um, yeah. So yeah. Cool. Yeah. you were just mentioning jujitsu and stuff like that. And I was going through your IG and I, I saw some pictures that I was like, I don't know if I know of any other tattooer that free dives. Oh Yeah. You know, archery, you've got some archery in there too, which is pretty rad. Yeah. Uh, but free diving, that's... Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a whole whole different thing. I haven't been... The the archery and bow hunting kind of took it over. Um, but now I'm kind of... I don't know. I've been longing to get back to the free diving and spearfishing stuff. So. so maybe you want to describe to people what that is because a lot of tattooers listening probably have no fucking idea what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I know what it is and it's fucking badass. <laughs> yeah. So totally. yeah, so free diving by itself, just minus the fishing part, is diving holding your breath. So like, you know, a mask and snorkel, same stuff, maybe a better a better version of it, but as you would go snorkel around, but then you work on being better and better at holding your breath and being able to dive deeper and deeper and um, you know, longer bottom times and more sketchy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, what's your uh, what's your record? Uh, I've I've hit a hundred feet. Um, God Jesus. damn! Yeah, I think like like that was simply like boing, like you know just to do it. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Still, but like laying on the bottom at seventy plus. Yes, you know, laying on the bottom at seventy five with a spear gun, hoping fish get more curious, you know, and doing that is actually, I think like that's actually more difficult and stuff than yeah. the simple diving, but yeah. Or doing stupid shit, like retrieving fish out of caves at, at the same depths. And so how so, long, how long can you stay on the bottom for? Um, now I'm, I'm out of practice right now, but I can yeah. hold my breath five and a half minutes when i was really in in good shape for it wow um, that must but, transfer over to jujitsu amazing <laughs> no, no blood, blood jokes <laughs> blood <laughs> jokes blood jokes <laughs> yeah you know it's funny though when i was going to jujitsu all the time i would i would jog while not breathing um 
you know, cause we start off doing laps in the thing and I do like two or three laps while holding my breath, then catch my breath, then do two or three laps. And I think that the f- free diving and jujitsu are super compatible because you can't, you can't be a spaz. Like the worst thing you could yeah, do free diving no. would be to spaz out and do some crazy ass shit. And so you get this, you're able to get this really like, just like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm here. <laughs> you know, if you need to slow it down, if you need to slow the pace down and, and, you know, kind of defend or whatever, you can just do that, you know, or if you're kind of in a fucked position, you can go, okay, I'm just going to chill here in the fucked position for a few minutes. Yeah. The same way I would, I'm going to have the same mindset I would if there's a, you know, a fish that's dead and tangled up 20 feet back under a two foot tall crack. And, you know, and, and also, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, but if you hold your breath long enough, you start getting those like crazy diaphragm spasms. Um, those spasms, you can just, you can learn to override that. So, wow. You know, you can't, you can't hold, I found this out. There's another great story, but you can't like, if someone's cutting off the blood supply to your brain, yeah, you know, there's, that's fucked, but, that is. <laughs> but you can hold your breath until you're like, and then go like, okay, I'm going to like, just relax through that and yeah. like move on. And like that, it, that also that feeling like you're not going to get that kind of a choke in jujitsu, but that kind of like physical, like self, like suppression of like those like impulses of your body yeah. to like, yeah. you know, anyway, my so. jujitsu, my jujitsu had a, uh, you know, you, you go like this and it's like, Oh yeah, a little bit and like this and like this, my jujitsu really made a huge jump when I was able to finally be calm in very compromised positions. Mm-hmm. Soon as I could stay calm in super bad positions, that's when my jujitsu really started because I could, I could then start working offensively in these horrible defensive positions and stuff. So, you know, or you get guys that are like super frustrated because it's like, you know, they're trying to make you do something. Right. So you give them something and you're not right. And then they make the mistake because they get frustrated. They change position. And so, yeah, so yeah, I could see that. I would hate to be 75 feet down and even have the slightest (laughs) panic. Panic. Yeah. That would be, Fuck that. Like that's yeah, deep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I only had one really panicky episode that well, I had two. No, actually I had three. <laughs> <laughs> actually, every I, time I, I go one down. Where I thought I was gonna drown for sure. Um I had one where so when when you're spearfishing for a big game, you you know, you shoot the fish, it takes off. You have all your terminal tackle line and stuff disengages from you and the spear gun. And then, and then essentially you hand line it back to you and kill it and put it in the boat. Uh, so I had an instance where, you know, when you take a rope and you go like, like this and the rope spirals down onto the ground. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I was coming up in very still water with no wind or, or current. And the, my, my float line basically did that into the surface and right when I got to the surface, 
I didn't realize it, but I had come up in the middle of the loop and oh. I shot a Wahoo and the Wahoo oh. took off at mock speed. And it just, uh, when I stuck, I stuck my head up and the float line made a loop around my neck and the fish was, you know, 35, 40 pound fish just started dragging me by my neck. And that was super scary, but it didn't, like, I didn't feel <laughs> like I was going to die. Like, it didn't, it didn't get to that before I got, like, I did, like, a jujitsu, like, you know, choke escape. I ended up getting like yeah. this and then, you know, wrapping it off. But uh, I got really disoriented once. There was, the water wasn't very clear and there was a shitload of particulates and I dove down to the bottom and not super deep, like 50 feet. And I didn't see anything. And then I was slowly floating back up because I had a good breath and stuff. And I think, I don't know if I stirred the particulates or there, there was just a change of current. But all of a sudden, the everything kind of spiraled like this. And I got just super fucking disoriented. And I, I turned... I, I don't know if I turned upside down or if I turned sideways and then there wasn't enough light because the water burned. And I just was like, it was like all of a, it was like everything was good. And then all of a sudden it was like incredibly scary and psychedelic because I couldn't tell which way was up. And there's like green with like white dots going in every direction and shit like that. And after a few, I don't know, it felt like forever, but a few seconds of that, I was like, oh shit, I'll just spit some air out. And the air, I spit some air out and the air went up and I was like, okay, I'm going to go oh, that way. But the, the time when I actually really thought I was going to drown, um, we were in, we were on this island off the Pacific coast of Baja and right in the shore was this ship. It was a big, big steel hold thing, maybe a hundred feet long laying on its side or um, totally underwater and the top was maybe like at medium tide was maybe, I don't know, five or six feet. And then this is the deck. And then the hole was like this and there was no propeller. And there was a hole cut underneath where the propeller would have been. And it had a bunch of lobsters in it. And so, and you know, from here to here is probably like 15, 20 feet at the most, but we would with some flashlights, we dive down, go underneath, go in the, in the hull and get some lobsters and come back out. And it wasn't terribly difficult, but this one evening it was a little on the dark side and I wasn't holding the flashlight. My friend was, and I was the third of three and these guys kicked up a shitload of silt. Um, and so they went in the hole and I just, I couldn't see where they went. All I could see was murky shit. And I thought I was going into the hole and I just went head first into the steel hull oh, and knocked oh. myself silly. And then I, and then I, then, then I got disoriented and then, and I started kicking like, like a motherfucker with my fins and made more silt and cloudy shit. I couldn't see, like I couldn't see anything <clears throat> anywhere. And I turned and I ran head first into the other, the other part of the mm. hull. Um, and it was just like, out of my fucking mind and then I, and totally panicking. Um, and then I went down to the bottom and like, okay, there's the bottom. And I turned around and went back up and I, I had my hands out, but I hit the thing again. And then I went down to the bottom again. And then I was like, okay, I'm on the bottom. And it was, it was the bottom had an incline. So 
I just crawled up the bottom until I knew I was, or at least I thought I was clear of the, the hull and then came up and I was, I was fine, but I thought for fucking sure I was going to drown. And I was like, I'm going to drown in 15 foot deep water. Like <laughs> after all of this shit, you know, but that's the thing. Like, you know, it's, it's probably a little bit like base jumping, like pretty soon, like your people, some of them die. Yeah. Um, and I never had like a really close person die, but I had like some, some friends have like very close calls. A friend of mine passed out at 40 feet and started sinking and, you know, in hundreds of feet deep water hunting uh, Wahoo and tuna and stuff. And uh, just by dumb luck, it was very, very clear water. And another friend of mine was sat on the boat looking down and saw him. When you, when you pass out, you're coming up, like if this is your face and this is your back, you're looking up as you're swimming up. So you pretty much always go belly up um, because your head gets you. Um, Interesting. And uh, my friend just, Doug saw Ken coming up and all of a sudden he went belly up and he dropped his spear gun and Doug was like, oh, fuck, and just dove down and grabbed him. But, you know, he he had sucked tons of water in his lungs and shit and was coughing up blood and bloody Uh, up. At that at that depth, like, you know, once, once you let all the air out, you like your eyeballs get weird and all that. The odd thing about that stuff though, is like you can pass out and be on death's doorstep and then be completely fine the next day. Um, Wild. Yeah. You know, except for if you have any mental, you're freaked out naturally, but I think Ken just went back to diving the next day after that. Oh, fuck. Uh, Damn. With, with a renewed sense of safety. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> fuck, I fell off my mountain bike not too long ago and got stitches. I still haven't got on that fucking thing. <laughs> oh, that's fucking terrifying. I have some friends that do that shit, and I'm like, it looks really cool, but no fucking way. Oh, it's, um, like, it's fun as fuck. I mean, you feel like a little kid, yeah. but yeah, it's dangerous. Trees don't move when you hit them. Rocks don't yeah. move when you hit them. Like, <laughs> yeah, no. I'm built pretty sturdy, so I'm okay. But <laughs> I just worry about breaking my arms. I broke my arms a bunch of times skateboarding, and they're fragile. So, yeah. Like when I think about biking, I just think about going over the handlebars. Yeah, I've done it. Lots. Palms out. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're like this. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you got a helmet on, so you're just like, just absorb. Yeah, like. After the we last time I nerd. skateboarding, I kept, I, I'd fall like this all the time. I just couldn't put my hands out. Like, Yeah. Yeah. Skateboarding. Skateboarding's a young man's game. Fuck that shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we'll have, actually, Dave, when we're in Calgary in a couple of weeks, we'll have to have Chris David on and then we can ask him about skateboarding. Oh, fuck. Yeah. He's don't like, don't skateboard, after, don't skateboard after 40. No. No. <laughs> I would even no. say 30. Unless you're pro, you know. <laughs> Bad shit. Man, Jared Clarkson still rips it up at the skate parks. Of course. Yeah, there's a few. What's his name? Uh, Paul Sluggo. Neath. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Sluggo's amazing. Fuck. Yeah, some guys are still out there doing it. I'm just, My best friend from high school still skates all the fucking time, and he rips and skates vert and stuff and bowls and... I'm just like, oh, God, I'm so, I just feel so fragile when it comes to, like... Yeah, it's so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck but then i hurt oh. myself 
bodyboarding really bad a couple times too so i you know in small waves even i don't know that's just age man that's just age we yeah. just get hurt now like yeah you're, you're not rubber it's stiffer yeah. and stiffer i gotta stretch I, I before tore, i go to bed i tore a tendon <laughs> in my elbow this year and i don't even know how my elbow just was hurting and then it was hurting and hurting and then they're like oh you got tendonitis and i was like all right tendonitis and then it just nothing fixed it and then I went and got a scan and they're like, Oh, the tendon's partially torn. Oh, great. <laughs> Crazy. Crazy. Ah, put some ice on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, should we circle this back into tattooing somehow? Yeah. Probably. <laughs> well, he took his timeline and just went. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, yeah. I, I, I thought I was going to, I don't know. I, I thought I was going to say a bunch of shit. And then I was like, oh, well. No, no, it's I, good. I've a lot of different no, places. it's good. A lot of, like, I, I got questions. Yeah. This yeah. morning, and Heather's like, I worked here, and then I worked here, and then I worked here, and then I yeah. worked at this other place, and I had this epiphany. So I went over to this place, and I'm like, well, I worked at one place for nine years, and then I worked at another place for 13 years, and now I worked at another place for a little over That's two years. It's, it's that's funny. awesome though. Like not many people can say that. It's like, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. you meet people now that have been tattooing five years and they've worked at nine shops. Yeah. 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 I wonder about that. Like, like what drives that? Like, is it just like an unsettledness? I mean, I, I'm sure there's a different story for every person, but yeah. Like, is it an unsettledness? Is it an ego thing? Is it they're incompatible with other people or. I, I yeah. would hope they're trying to learn, you know, like, I know when I was starting out, I wanted to learn as much as possible and certain life situations took me away from where I'd learned to tattoo, but then, you yeah. know, you go, you go seek out mentors. I, I, I would hope that's what people are doing, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and then you get to be Dave's age and have an epiphany one day where he's like, I realize I'm the common denominator in a lot of these problems. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you said on Heather's, <laughs> Heather's podcast too. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you're always the common denominator in your problems. Everybody's the common denominator in their problems. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I definitely have thought about that myself, you know, getting cranky with people. And I'm like, maybe I'm just fucking old and cranky. And, you know, yeah. before well, and you, I left. Yeah. And I was just going to say, like, yeah, you work in one place for a long time, you get into a routine. New people come in, that changes your routine and for some people that's not a good thing right right so it makes it difficult someone yeah, coming to get I, you yeah. jeff what's that someone coming to get you is that siren outside your house oh or is that actually, outside? no that was mine i got a crazy fucking neighbor we call him the shitter because we caught him shitting in the alley uh <laughs> Isn't that a San Francisco thing to do now? <laughs> I, I don't even live in San Francisco. Okay. I live in South San Francisco, which is its own city separated by other cities. Oh, okay. But, but the shitter lives a couple houses down and, and across the street. And one day I saw him in the middle of the day. He was looking around the alley like he was just, I don't know. He looked like he was on fucking acid, for to be honest. He's like kind of looking up and like staring and like looking... And then all of a sudden he ran over to my neighbor's back gate, dropped his pants and laid a turd. And I was like, you motherfucker. Like, That's got to be pretty liberating. For shitting. 
Could you imagine? <laughs> Could you imagine? That's got to be liberating. <laughs> I'm like, you motherfucker, you fucking. And he like ran away, and I chased him with my car. But he ran down the other alley where they walked off, and and so now we call him the shitter. But the ambulance or somebody's at his house like once a week. A, a week or so ago, he got in his driveway, revved his engine, and then drove his car through his garage door. Uh, and and as weird as that is the weirdest thing about it was he sat in his car for about an hour with his car two-thirds of the way through his garage door and fucking smoking and like contemplating his own stupidity i I can imagine uh fuck contemplating his own life but yeah uh, and then we we you know I found shit in my alley behind my gate kind of recently. And I'm, you know, we've been here, 12, we've been here 12 years and I'm like, uh, uh-uh. and I'm like, is it the fucking shitter? Is he like coming out at night? <laughs> <laughs> There's a comic book in this, <laughs> a graphic novel. <laughs> the shitter. Yep. <laughs> totally. And it co-stars Rob Noseworthy. <laughs> yeah. So, Rob Noseworthy could be the shitter. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. The, the shitter is like five foot seven, 125 pound, uh, bald, uh, East Indian guy. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah. A little skinny, little skinny, bald dude. I, he, I think he's younger than me, but. <laughs> Just likes the great outdoors. Yeah, I guess so. It's nothing like shitting in the woods, but if you don't have the woods nearby, <laughs> actually, we he, we have a like an outdoor park, like a few blocks away, with coyotes and hawks and owls and shit. I, I think it's, I think yeah, but the right. the adrenaline of shitting on your neighbor's <laughs> gate. Yeah. Is... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was right where their back gate opens; they would walk right into it. Oh, amazing. (laughs) And they're old and super sweet. So like they're, you know, yeah, fuck that. But all right. I love that we take it back to tattooing and go right into shit talk. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Every conversation in the tattoo shop is either sex or fucking shit. (laughs) Yeah. You got to be shitting me. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Tattooing. It's fucking great. How long have you guys been tattooing? Uh, 33 years no uh, shit wow yeah i started years. i started when i was well i started before that but i basically started when i was 18 with a professional machine and i'm okay. gonna be 52 at the end of this year so okay yeah i started in toronto in 1990 but i like i built my first homemade machine out of a remote control car when i was like 13 so yeah and then i had sleeves by the time i was 17 my first yeah. set of sleeves, yeah. So, yeah, long yeah. first. Dave, <laughs> Dave, you're 23 years now? 20 years tattooing, 23 with the apprenticeship, and hanging out in tattoo shops for probably 26 years. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I did every yeah. job imaginable before. That included cleaning toilets before becoming a tattooer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. You, you definitely were drawing before you started tattooing. Were well, you doing so, other art? Were you were you painting a lot too, or no, no, no? I was so did your tattooing a... shape your art, or did your? Oh yeah, like okay, all right. Yeah, tell us about like, that. So 
my dad, um, for, I mean, he's still an artist kind of for a living. Like, you know, he sells paintings and shit, but, uh, he was a film industry illustrator my whole, uh, childhood. Um, and before, before, so he, his first job was on the first Star Trek movie. Oh, right. um, Sweet. Which, like 77 or something like that. And before that, he was more of like a fine art painter. Um, and we lived really rural a few hours north of here on the coast and our house burned down um, to the ground. And uh, I don't really know how it happened, but we were living at my grandparents' house. My stepmom got third degree burns from her knees to her feet. She was in the hospital um, for nine months or something like that. And yeah. my dad got a job um, on working on Star Trek at MGM. And we moved to Santa Monica, Los Angeles area. And um, my stepmom, I think she was still in the hospital when we moved and then got out pretty much after that and uh so there was always drawing um there was always these illustrator guys coming over and you know sometimes they just go out and paint or whatever and uh my dad's friend the first thing i really remember like learning how to draw like actually draw was a sherman tank uh that <laughs> my my dad's friend broke it down into like basically geometric shapes a, a sherman tank at a three-quarter view when i was in like first grade or something like that but I was never really like the art kid or anything like that um I I, I got into free diving and spearfishing also because of my father um we were super super poor working on Star Trek we didn't have shit for money and when Star Trek ended we had less money and my dad would just go to the ocean and and before Star Trek and all that too but my dad grew up uh, he's the child of Italian immigrants his dad's super into fishing or was and my dad got into spearfishing uh before i was born probably a local guy taught him some stuff here in the bay area and then um so fuck i kind of brain fart um can, can, we, okay. can we pause can we pause yeah, for a yeah. minute yeah. we just we the noise is back and it's quite loud <laughs> <laughs> Um, this is usually the problems we have all the time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, awesome. So you're oh, you asked me if I was drawing a bunch and stuff, and basically, yeah. no. I my my dad had a real magical ability to make everything not fun, and so <laughs> I wanted I really wanted very little to do with anything that he liked because, like and this just probably sounds fucking crazy to a lot of people, but like when I was a, after sixth grade, we moved to Hawaii and he, he's a lifelong ocean fanatic, surfer, diver, you know, spearfishing, all that shit. Um, we moved to Hawaii and my dad would be like, he'd wake me up at four 30 in the morning as often as possible and like scream at me to go surf. And then in the ocean, he'd be screaming at me the whole time. Like catch that fucking wave. Fuck, paddle. You're just sitting there. What are you doing? Ah! Like, and I'm just like, you know, and I'm just like kind of timid kid and shit. And so I was like, I don't want to be an artist, but you know, if I had something else to do, I was doodle or whatever. And then 
then when I became interested in tattooing and I apprenticed with Jason Voorhees and stuff, and I was like, okay, well now I, this is important. Now I have to do this. Um, and I want, you know, I wanted to, it wasn't like I have to, like, you know, someone was breathing down my fucking neck, you know, but I, yeah. I wanted to excel at it. I wanted to be, you know, good at tattooing. I want, you know, I was like, this is going to be the thing that I'm able to do. So, so then, yeah, then I started, you know, working at it and, you know, thankfully Nala Smith gave me a lot of really, uh, really sound advice and stuff like that. And, um, you know, working with Paco Dietz, he's a really fantastic illustrator and, uh, that sort of stuff. And then, you know, moving on with all the guys at seventh son and stuff, you know, and I think that's really, I think my dad's work in film and whatnot and being around those illustrators and stuff really shaped like what I see today as good tattooing is like, it took me a really long time to go like everything that isn't an amazing illustration can be a good tattoo too. Yeah. <laughs> because I just had like a, this kind of bullshit attitude about it. Like, Oh, you know, and yeah, I, I learned, you know, the error of my thinking, you know? Yeah. Right. So how, how did you settle upon the style? Like you've, you do biomech and you do Japanese stuff amongst other styles, but that seems to be your predominant focus. How did that come about? Biomech was really the thing that like, what, when I saw like Aaron stuff and like old Marcus Pacheco and guy, like that was the stuff that really, like I loved, I was into tattoos. Like ever since I was a kid, actually a, a friend of my dad's who's still around he he's covered in tattoos from Lyle Tuttle. Um, and he, he used to like work at the Lyle Tuttle tattoo museum. And, um, so, you know, as a kid, this guy, Larry was around and Larry had snakes and tattoos. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, uh, but but when I saw like biomech stuff, I was or, or and it's kind of sci-fi-ish stuff, I was like, oh, that's the shit. Like, and I could relate to that because prior to that, like, you know, like the stuff I saw was like Japanese stuff. And, you know, as a fucking 20-year-old like skateboarder, punk rocker in in 1992, I guess I'd be 20. I I just didn't you know, Japanese shit didn't resonate to me and traditional American tattooing was like, Oh, that's like fucking old army guy shit. And yeah. I was like, Oh, biker skulls are cool. And you know, it's just like some punk rock tattoos with, you know, Mohawk skulls and some shit like that. And I, you know, but growing up with like all the film guys and like, you know, my dad had all the HR Geiger books on the bookshelf and yeah. um, that kind of shit. I was like, Oh, that's like, that's super fucking cool. And that like, that resonated with me. Um, uh, and then later on, I got tattooed a bunch by Ichibe and that really, um, that really got me interested in the Japanese stuff. And the funny thing was I was not trying to get Japanese stuff from him. I was trying to get like his weird, like biomech beetles and shit from him. Oh, and, yeah. um, and it was kind of like that era when he, was doing like the little weird 
dra- the dragons with the little weird mouths and shit like that. Um, at least the start of it. And I was at a convention and he was there and I was like, Hey, I'd like to get a tattoo from you. And I had his little pamphlet thing. I was like, yeah, something like this. And it was like weird biomechy thing on my leg. And he's like, okay. And then after like two hours, he came over, he showed me a dragon like this big. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Can you see that? Nope. Nope. Back up a bit. There you go. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so he just like, he's like, basically like, this is what I can do. And I was like, fuck it, let's do it. (laughs) So he did that. And then he did the, um, the right side of my torso up to my collarbone and like that. And then like seeing the way he did stuff really gave me an appreciation for, you know, inspired an appreciation for Japanese stuff. And then of course, working with the guys at seventh son and the guest artists that would come through there and stuff like that. I really, I really gave me way more of an appreciation and, and it's so fucking hard. Like, like to me, like I could crank out a leg sleeve of biomech and I'm like, like, cool. Like I can come up with some new shit. Hopefully I can make it work. I can make it flow. Like Japanese stuff. I'm just like, it's so like the subtleties matter so much more. Um, and yeah, it's, it's so fucking amazing and difficult. When you, yeah, you're, I butcher it every day. (laughs) Is your approach to the form similar? Like when you're looking at a sleeve, let's say of biomech and a sleeve of Japanese, do you map it out the same? How do you, do you look at them completely different? Cause there seems to be some similarity in, in movement between the two. Yeah. I, I think that like some of the similarities to me at least, and somebody would probably argue with me is like the transitions are really important. Um, and I think the overall flows can be the same. Like, you know, like if you were doing like a chest panel and half sleeve, say of biomech, uh, you could, you know, do like the same kind of transition you would if it were like a Phoenix with a wing or the tail coming over, um, or, you know, like the transition for um, upper arm to lower arm. I think there's a lot of like really similarities in that as far as a back, a back piece goes, I don't know, but the, the bendy joints, arms and legs, I think that there's really a lot of crossover on, on the way uh, composition and layout matters. Are you, um, are you, are you freehanding that stuff or are you stenciling or a mixture of both? Mixture. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I start out these days with a, a pretty solid drawing on most biomech stuff and then kind of tweak on it and then add, add stuff freehand. Um, but there's still some people who come in and I draw a section on every time. Um, and then for a while I was doing like exclusively drawing it all out. And, uh, at one point Aaron Kane was like, like, it looks good, but it's a little stiff. Like just fucking draw it on. If you draw it on, it'll all fit and then it'll be, it'll be good. And so I was doing that for a while, but then I feel like freehanding, like exclusively freehanding stuff. 
I feel there's a lot of pressure to get the drawing done and do the tattooing. And then when I feel yeah. that pressure, I revert to like the, the, the good old stuff or whatever. Uh, and I don't have enough time to kind of like mentally work it out and, you know, explore some new ideas and, or a new shape or a, a different, um, a different, uh, you know, movement or something like that. And that's, that's really important to me. Like, like with, I mean, with anything it's important, but with Biomac, I think composition is number one, especially. And I like to, I know I've, I've really taken pride in trying to have compositions that are, are less typical than like, you know, the S curve like that. Like, you know, not that there's anything, there's nothing wrong with that, but, I just want to keep moving forward with that, with different movements and flows or way, how can I move the eye? And I don't get as much of a chance to do that if I'm freehanding because it's just, I'm like, all right, I'm drawing. Now I got to, I got to, I'm not doing it. Except for I'm not, now it's like this with the dildo pen. <laughs> Where are you finding uh, inspiration for tattooing like for especially biomech for me I, I don't do any biomech i don't know anybody really who does it personally so i'm just curious where you're finding not reference but inspiration yeah yeah, yeah. uh you know a lot of it's nature shit as i'm sure you guessed from looking back at my instagram stuff i try to spend a shitload of time outdoors and whether it's you know chunks of bony shit on the beach or some twisty wood stuff or even for a long time i i I was in Panama on a spearfishing trip and I found this little, this rusty bolt and the rust had like kind of grown out in these like plates. And I think I did like five sleeves that were like Amazing. completely inspired by the, the, the two inch rusty bolt on the pier. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so to me, like most of it comes from as, as much as I can from, my personal life experience and stuff that I view. And I constantly take photos of, of stuff like that. And, and that kind of leads back to like, like I'm not good enough at Japanese ish stuff to feel that I have like a, a voice. Like I'm like, I'm just trying to do a good job. I want to make a solid tattoo. If it's bright, I want to make really solid colors and something that's, pretty and that the person who's wearing it is really proud of. Um, but I, like I said, I don't, I don't know that I've really been able to develop a voice with that yet with biomech. It's really important to me to have a voice. Um, and I, and I think that, I mean, everything offers this opportunity, but I think that more, more than maybe many other types of tattooing, I think that if you don't develop your voice as a tattooer who makes biomech tattoos, you're really missing an opportunity because there aren't really rules. Like if you make like a, you know, it's really hard to make like a koi or a dragon that is Japanese, but not like, you know, you know, like, like fucking grime. Okay. He can do it. Or, (laughs) you know, Rob, Rob, Rob has an amazing voice. Like, you see a Rob dragon and you know, it's a Rob dragon or I'd say like Luke Stewart or somebody like that. But when it comes to me, like I'm a fucking lump when it comes to that shit. And I'm like, you know, 
it's not it's not there. But with Biomech, I'm like, there's there are so few rules other than it has to have a good composition and be good as a tattoo that if you don't take the opportunity to have your own voice and make your mark in it, then you're you're really missing uh you're you're you know it's a it's a missed opportunity and a missed missed way that you can grow as a tattooer um i I think the like one thing you could see like great japanese work zoom in on it bad line work choppy shading not the greatest solid color but you zoom out and it's amazing yes if you have bad line work for biomech that's not oh. good. Oh, I don't. I don't think my line work is really not very good. I fucking. Oh just, come on! It's. Yeah. I think it's. I just think it's different. I think there's. I'm gonna send uh, a client to you to look at up close. <laughs> <laughs> I just. I think for certain things, I think uh, technical really helps uh, in the yeah. style, and I think biomech is definitely one of those styles where it's like. Yeah. yeah. And and I think yeah. that's a good. I'm not saying you can't be loose. I, right. Like I, there's loose a difference shit. between like loose and 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 just not technically shit. proficient. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So there, there's a there's there's a San Francisco technical loose, right? And then there's the rest of the world where it's it's shitty. There is a big difference. Young oh. people may not know that yet, but we all know that stuff. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. but I think that kind of goes back to the similarities too is like like you said like when you step back on the Japanese thing it's amazing and 99% of the time that's the composition right and yeah and that's the same thing with the biomech like those two like those two things really depend on composition as opposed to like you know like a traditional tattoo or something like you know if it fits good and you know there's I think there's like other elements that kind of soup can, can can take the place of a great composition with like a smaller like traditional type tattoo or or even like a single point Japanese tattoo or something like that. But as far as like coverage and large scale work, I think that you know I don't know maybe it's just all the same. If you do a large scale tattoo and your composition sucks, you fucking blew it. Yep. <laughs> I know that for me too. <laughs> <laughs> When I was coming up, uh, tattooing in San Francisco was like, that was the pinnacle, that Mecca. Everybody was moving there. Um, I remember when I went down there for a trip uh, to do some filming and stuff, I couldn't believe the quality of tattoos walking around and the artists that you'd bump into. Is it still that? Is it is San Francisco still that Mecca or is it changing? Because I know San Francisco's changing and going through a lot of upheaval. I, yeah, I... I don't think so. I mean, I think that there are really amazing tattooers in San Francisco, but I don't think it has that energy the way it did in, you know, 2000 or whatever, like those, that kind of, for lack of a better term, like that golden age. And I think that one thing that I think that tattooing and maybe everywhere it's more homogenized, but I think San Francisco tattooing is kind of has gotten a lot more homogenized there's a lot more of the idea of this is a tattoo this is what a tattoo looks like and now there's some more like kind of black worky people or fine line 
dot work people or whatever that do beautiful tattoos. But I think in that like primal urge kind of era, uh, and maybe shortly thereafter or whatever, there was this tremendous drive amongst tattooers to further or push the limits of what could be done, but also be still be a good readable, solid tattoo. And now I think, and, and maybe there's just limits to that and that's the extent of it. And, you know, but also I think like, fuck everywhere you go, there's fucking amazing tattooers. Yeah. And if they all went to San Francisco, there would be 5,000 of them or something. Like <laughs> do you think a lot of that change you're talking about, about you know the homogenization of style or whatever, do you think a lot of that's, we could put that on the clients as well as, artists like you know what back in the late 90s early 2000s the clientele was different and what they were asking for or willing to trust an artist to do was vastly different than now where people have way more access to stuff and they're like i want i want what this person has exactly or i don't know i i've honestly never thought about that i just assumed a lot of it had to do with social media and the internet and stuff you know it was like and I'll probably refer to her like seven times because I was listening to the podcast earlier this morning. But what Heather was saying about, you know, you used to have to go to conventions and look at the magazines and, you know, yeah. search. There was a lot more searching for stuff. And yeah. now it's just like it's it's like a bucket just poured on you of amazingness. Uh, and so. I mean, I think clients know better to some extent, but I think, I think a lot of it still falls on the tattooer. Like, like I find like if I, a client's like, Hey, I would like this. And if I'm really inspired and I'm like, Oh, we could do it like this and blah, blah, blah. If I get jazzed up about it and I'm like, you know, we can do something extra or whatever, then I can, you know, transmit that to the client and they get more excited whereas if yeah. i'm like yep it's a peony like we'll do the peony i do the peony and it looks like a peony and that's how the peony is <laughs> and that happens too but yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, sometimes people just want the peony right right <laughs> all the extra energy is just not you know so yeah. But yeah, I, I've said that to guys for years. I'm like, if you have a drawing that you're not super jazzed on, but your client's there, you have to be jazzed. Because if you yeah, walk right. up to them and you're like, yeah, here's your drawing that I worked on for eight hours. And like, I think it worked out like it's that's okay. just not good. Right. It's like, <laughs> that's great. If you're beating yourself up artistically, don't do the tattoo. If it's actually, you know, a bad drawing, like you actually fucked it up, but it's like, don't if put you're that just on your not feeling inspired or something because the client's idea wasn't overly inspiring. I'm like, dude, you have to fake it then. If you said yeah. yes to yeah. doing the tattoo, like you got to make that person, you know, jazzed about the tattoo. Yeah, and customer then, service. Well, yeah. And then I find a lot of times too, like then when they get jazzed, it'll actually make me jazzed because I'm yeah. like, oh yeah, I fucking forgot. This isn't just a job. This is something that I really enjoy doing. Yeah, because of this, because I have this person literally yeah. two feet away from me and I have to share this space with them for however many hours, you know, like, yeah, tattoo. 
buddy today and she was hating it. She's like, this is my first raw dog tattoo in 10 years. No pills, no, you know, creams. No, not because I told her no. And she was dying, but she was loving it. And every time she'd like look down after I'd pull a huge fucking 14 round line on her, she'd just be like, that's going to look so amazing. And I'm just like, <laughs> it's going to look amazing. You know? It's yeah. Like, it just gets super awesome, you know? And it's like, and I was, I was like really stressed out with this drawing this morning, kind of putting it together. It's a whole leg of just cover-ups. So I'm like Ooh. freaking out and like put that stencil on and I'm just like, I think this is going to work, <laughs> you know, and you start lining it and I'm like, yeah, this is going to work. And, you know, 45 minutes into it, it's like, fuck yeah. And then she's dying, but then she's like super jazzed and I'm getting more jazzed. And then I started feeling more, more creative. Cause then I was like, Oh fuck that. That part's boring. Let's like alter that and let's do this. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? So yeah, absolutely. And it builds up, I know you build mean. up your own confidence right there on the spot, you know? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you know, and sometimes you just do like, like I, there's nothing wrong with doing like, I'm gonna just go back to the peony for whatever fucking reason, but yeah. you know, you just do a good peony, like it, it sometimes it doesn't have to like break the bank, uh, artistically or whatever, you know, or or creatively I should say, but you do it and you do it fucking good and you make it nice and you are super stoked on the client and the person and everything works out and. Yeah, like that too. It's, I don't know. It, it it all goes, but just being like, that's the same old shit. Like this is, this is the one thing, I, and this is how it goes. And you know, yeah, it just makes you fucking tired at the end of the day. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, you get some people where they'll do that post where they'll post something and be like, you can tell they're not happy with it because they'll post and then they'll like type something like fucking not my usual thing. <laughs> It's like, okay, you know your client's going to see that, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, I will do that, but I'll be like, not, uh, but I'll only post it when it's not my usual thing, but I'm really excited about it. Cause yeah. yeah, exactly. I, yeah. I, I felt like I overcame it in some way. I, I was like, I, you know, I did, I did a dancing pig and I, uh, and it was, I was a little bit nervous about it because it was uh, a memorial for, it was on a friend. And it was a memorial for a friend and the person who died was a older dude. He was a Vietnam vet and he had the, you know, whatever the pig and the rooster thing is, yeah. but he only had the one because I forget which direction you got to go for which, but uh, I think if you cross the equator, you get the pig maybe. Um, but he had the dancing pig and I, I had a lot of stress about it and I feel like, like a dancing pig is kind of outside of my realm of, like strength illustration wise. And, and then when I did it, I was just like, you know, like I was so fucking stoked on it. I love the drawing. And, and it was weird because, because Victor was dead and there was no pictures of this old ass tattoo on him that anybody could, you know, we were asking his wife and stuff. And then we're like, you know, we, we think that's like, you know, is this a good enough? And, um, the, the guy who has it, I don't know why I can't remember his name right now. It's killing me. Uh, the guy who has it, he was like, yeah, man, it's cool. Like, I love it. Let's do it. And so we did, and I was real happy with the outcome and especially happy though, because I felt like it was such a challenge illustration wise for me. And then, 
somehow later, like a couple months later, his wife, Susan was like, Oh, I found a picture of the pig and it was old and blurry and shit. But I don't know if I had looked at that thing a bunch in the past or something. And it was just like stuck in like some reptile brain, but it was fairly fucking similar in the layout and shit like that. And <laughs> amazing. I was just like, it, dude, it, I, I literally like cried a little bit. Like it, the whole thing was just like, it just had come together so well. And I don't know. Yeah. Victor was such an amazing person. And I was like, I felt like, like when I saw that, I felt like I had done the whole thing justice and, and the guy wearing it is cool as shit and loves it. And so, yeah, yeah. Those tattoos, like that shit stays with us forever. I think a lot of clients don't, I don't know if a lot of, I think, you know, I've met people where clients are like, Oh, you probably don't remember me. And I'll be like, I totally remember your tattoo. Right. Cause some just, (laughs) are definitely more impactful than others. Right. Yeah. It's like, right. I think a lot, they don't realize that it's like, I've been tattooing for 33 years and I have like vivid memories of like lots of very specific tattoos all throughout my career where I think those people probably don't even, they probably don't remember my name. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like, I, I remember everything about the experience of me doing the tattoo and stuff like that. And just, yeah. I yeah. It. yeah. Awesome. A few weeks ago, I had a woman come in a couple they came in to get tattoos and asked them, you know, have you ever been tattooed before? And the woman's like, I got one tattoo. Like, oh, can I see it? She goes, yeah, I got it done in Vancouver. It's a battle axe. And she showed it to me and I was like, I did that tattoo at Sacred Heart, I think, in my first year of tattooing. <laughs> 20 years ago, you know, like, but you remember, right? Like, it's like, I don't remember you, but I remember the fucking tattoo. <laughs> yeah. Let me it's fix like, that for you. <laughs> the names go away almost immediately. Yeah. And then the faces stick around for a really, really, really long time. And then you remember the tattoo forever. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Every once in a while, though, somebody comes in with a tattoo and I'm like, did I do that? And they're like, I don't think so. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> I might have, but I don't know. Like, I'm like, where'd you get it? Oh, I don't remember. Like, okay. I don't remember. <laughs> I, that's always a fucking weird one to me. When somebody tells me they don't remember where they got the tattoo, I'm always just like, like, okay, now that's fucking weird. Like, if you don't remember the person, like a decent size. Yeah, yeah. Like, don't remember the name of the artist, the name of the shop, nothing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, sometimes I think maybe they're just being like kind of weird and shy or something. And no, I, I think know. they came. They came to the tattoo shop with eight of their friends, got tattooed, talked to their friends like crazy the whole time, never talked to the artist, and moved on out of the town. <laughs> I think that's what that is. <laughs> Yeah, that's 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 very possible. Yeah. When did you start painting? Fuck, I don't know. Uh, like, did, I don't. Were you painting in your? Were you like? Did you, were you painting flash in your apprenticeship? Or no, I've I've never painted for that. I've never done a sheet of flash or anything like that. Okay. Um, I went I went straight from tattooing, getting fired to doing custom tattoos in my house to doing custom tattoos in a shop and a little bit of flash on the walls. But I never, I've never drawn a sheet of flash or anything. Um, and painting. I dude, I I've started, you. I've started a few. <laughs> I've started a few and I don't know what it is. Like, like I look at it and I'm just like, this is just the worst shit ever. Like why, like, why am I 
like shitting on the magic of tattooing by doing this thing. Um, sorry. It's like every time uh, I paint something. <laughs> uh, I, I really was painting. So for a while I was doing a lot of like marker illustrations of biomech stuff mostly. Um, well, b- back in the day though, I did, I would do like little custom uh, colored pencil, like Prismacolor tattoo designs on tracing paper, like the way that like Grime and Marcus Pacheco and those guys would do them like super saturated and stuff. Yeah. But man, that's just fucking horrible on your hands. Like Fuck yeah. you have to white knuckle that thing to death and grind it like to make that like smooth. I just, I, I, I gave up on that. And then, when I started hanging out with, so I, I got tattooed by Aaron in 1990, Kane. Um, and he, <laughs> in, in 90, in 1990 or 91, I had, I drew a black and red tribal kind of dragon lizard thing. <laughs> and I had him tattoo it on my lower back, like a tramp stamp. <laughs> it was, it was, it was, a, it was a circle, but, and, and <laughs> Everyone at Seventh Son for years was like, "Oh, you got your tramp stamp over there," uh, or fi- "Oh, you're finally getting your tramp stamp covered up." Um, but uh, so yeah. Anyways, I was doing those those things, and then I got tattooed again by Aaron. I, fuck, I don't know what year it was. Two thousand six or something like that when, right, right when he moved right when he moved back to california from baltimore and uh i talked a lot to uh, talked to him a lot about like efficiency and and stuff like that and i kind of came to the conclusion like what's really close to like a 15 mag is like a chisel tip on a marker and so then i started doing a bunch of like colored marker draw biomech drawings on 11 by 17 cardstock and i I did a bunch of that shit and I, I was kind of getting ready to move on from that when I started at seventh son and then pretty quick, Sean Barber was working with us and um, I was like, Oh, I want to paint. So I painted in, I was painting mostly in acrylic for a while. And then, and then I was started painting in oil a bunch, some like kind of more like illustrative kind of stuff, ocean shit, sharks and like shells and shit like that. Um, and then, and then I, Sean kind of helped me transition into doing some oil paintings. I probably made like five oil paintings. Um, and then the, uh, oddly enough, I had a, used to have a cat that I really, really loved and he, he got old and died. But at one point I'm pretty positive. He ate a bunch of oil paint off of a painting and and got really really sick. he was just like mysteriously like thought he was gonna die for a week um and and i think that's what it was and then i kind of was like well fuck i don't like leaving it out because he's i'm pretty sure he jumped up on the easel and licked it and i didn't really have a good place and i couldn't really leave out a bigger painting at seventh sun and uh so I kind of just quit the oil painting and was doing some more acrylics and shit. And, and then I was like, Oh, fuck it. I'm going to do uh, pen and ink illustrations. Cause I really like, I think 
when I was a kid, uh, Bernie Wrightson was like, my dad had like the Bernie Wrightson retrospective and Oh, first, first he had the Bernie Wrightson illustrated Frankenstein, which just always just blew my mind. And to this day, it's, it's every page of that fucking thing is magic. And then, and then my dad got the, the retrospective and, um, he let me Xerox every page at wherever he was working at the time, which, Oh, it was, my dad did like a bunch of design, a bunch of, um, uh, of exhibits for the Hawaii Maritime Museum. So we were out in the pier in Honolulu inside the building that became the Maritime Museum. And I was going to work there, uh, as like a, a helper, you know, go for just, you know, a laborer. Um, and then on my lunch break, I would Xerox like 50 pages or something like that. Um, so in the, probably around 2016 or 15 or something, I was like, Oh, I, you know, I'd like to do pen and ink illustrations. So it was when, the, it was when those, the first one I did was in that Grime and Craig Toth water book, um, or finger wave book or whatever. Uh, oh, yeah. I was like, I'm I was like, I'm gonna try and like do a pen and ink illustration of all of the forms of water. Like, so I did like an iceberg with clouds and waves and rain. Um, so vapor, seawater, solid fresh water, and frozen fresh water. Um, without me being really super artistic and conceptual. <laughs> uh, I haven't looked at that book in so long. I'm going to go to the shop tomorrow and be like. <laughs> yeah, they were real nice to let me put some shit in both of those. Um, so, I, yeah, I made a bunch of pen and ink illustrations, and some of them were super biomech and some of them were uh, – I was freediving a ton at the time, so I did a lot of, like, kind of underwater spires of rock. and then And then that kind of turned into, like – like a floating rock creature with like a big rock coming out, but then with all kinds of tentacles and shit underneath and um, like that. And then since, you know, I did some of that during 2020 when, when, you know, the, during the shutdown, I was like, well, you know, I'm surfing every day and gardening a lot and I should keep doing some art. And so I was like, I'm going to do at least like, one little illustration or painting or something a week. And sometimes I did a couple of them and yeah, just to keep inspired. And also I, you know, sell them for a couple hundred bucks and yeah. Make nice. a little bit of money shit. And, and lately I haven't really been doing anything like that. So I kind of partially, I, I did, I made a couple paintings. I made a painting uh, for the seventh sun tiger show. Um, and then I was looking at clouds one night driving home and I got inspired. Uh, I got inspired. I looked up some cloud painting tutorials on YouTube or something. And I painted a little, I don't know, six by 14 of like a night sky, like a you know, sunset over a marsh and some reflections in the water and shit like that. Those things are on my Instagram, but I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of coming like I think I'm in a weird time right now. Like I need to like, well, just to be 
can to get my shit together and like maybe spend a little less time at the beach or like, I don't know, make more art. I need to make more art. <laughs> you sound like, you sound like every artist I know. It's like, <laughs> I, know. I, need, I need to create, I need to create, but I'm fucking so burnt out from fucking making stuff. I, I, I need to go do something else. <laughs> right. Right. I think that balance is good, right? Like, how can you be creative father, all the time if you're not outside doing stuff? Yeah, yeah. My father paints like 200 to 250 paintings a year. What? Yeah, he's. Jeez. What's your father? What's your father's name? I'm. He, he he's on Facebook. It's Ronald Croci. C R O C I. Um. He's not. He he has an Instagram, but like I set up for him, but he. He's I don't I don't use that. I just use Facebook. And he paints oh. he does all this amazing shit and paints it and then he sells them on Facebook for like two hundred bucks. What? Um not not all of them, but like like he lives part of the year in Hawaii. They twenty years ago him and his wife bought a house and they're able to rent it out eight months out of the year and that pays the mortgage for the whole year. And so he's He's at 950 feet elevation, but as the crow flies, pretty close to the ocean. Um, so he'll have like, like a page with like six studies of cloud and lights from the morning till the night. And he'll do one and he's like super incredibly efficient with it. And they'll be really cool, like stripped down and cool, obviously a study, but there's, he's like, oh, they're just like 40 minutes or 30 minutes or something. Or he will go to, he'll go and snorkel. He'll set up his easel at the beach and he'll go snorkel for like a half hour. And then he'll jump out of the water and go paint from memory, like a school of mullet right below the surface of the ocean. Um, yeah, that's a, it's a probably shitty on the camera. You gotta, you gotta find some, like, that's, that's like, you got, you got to find some, like, he does like this weird shit. Well, I can't see that one. Move it, move it to one side. Other way. Yeah, there you go. Oh yeah. The kelp forest thing. Yeah. That. Um, <laughs> he really likes to paint abandoned cars in Hawaii. And so. <laughs> That's a like, niche. Yeah. So he paints paintings of cars that are all stripped and graffitied and shit. And then he writes these really weird, sad eulogies for him. Oh, right. Um, <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Sounds like I'm going to own a Ronald painting pretty soon for my show. No kidding. I'm on his Facebook right now. Yeah. If you go through there, there's just hundreds of them. And that's like it's, just a fraction, a fraction of them. Um. And a lot of those paintings, like if you see like a like a cloudy sky at the beach with some waves off in the distance and stuff, a lot of them are like an hour and a half. And I'm oh just like, God. how the fuck do you do that? And he's like, because I don't correct. He's like, I, he's like, oh yeah, that he, uh, so he did an illustrated world history of surfing a few years ago. Um, his friend wrote it and he did like 400 illustrations and paintings or something like that for it. Amazing. Um, but the outrigger, the outrigger canoe stuff is cool. I, I race and paddle outrigger canoes. Oh yeah. Yeah. So he did, he did the, um, he did the poster. 
the poster for the big canoe surfing contest for a couple of years and amazing. Yeah. Anyways, cool. so I don't know how that got off on that, but anyways, <laughs> Sorry. probably me. No, 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 I, I, I love it. I can't sing the praises of my father as an artist enough because he's just so fucking incredibly good and efficient. And like, you know, like I, like I was saying, he's like, he, he always tells me like if I'm drawing or making a painting or something, he's like, you're always correcting. You spend all this time correcting. He's like, you know, and, and that influences the way I tattoo too. He told me use the, the biggest brush you can possibly use. And, make the fewest strokes with it. And I think like when I tattoo, like I, like I always try to use the biggest mag and stuff like that. Interesting. Um, yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. I use the biggest brush possible when I'm painting, but that's because I'm fucking lazy. I'm just <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And also technically, you know, if I use a small brush to try to make this, fade or fill this area it's gonna look like shit but one brush i could maybe i could do one big stroke real quick and <laughs> yeah oh fuck amazing all right but well, sing, oh, I, yeah you were, you were saying every artist is saying that they need to get get their shit together and make more art and he's like the one guy i think he just be constantly cranking it out i hope he's getting well, out and having fun too yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah singing the praises of artists i guess let's get to that uh question oh, that Dave likes to ask everybody. Oh, yeah. The best if part. He's changing, he's changed it up I'm a changing little bit. Changing it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. This is a surprise. So pressure's off. Pressure's off. Who are, okay. the, who are the top five tattooers you want to get tattooed by? Oh, would I liked, would like to get tattooed by. And by the I, way, if I'm anybody wants like... to sponsor this portion of the show, just get a hold of us and we can make that happen. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, kind of a big deal podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, I've got a spin. I mean, I'm, I don't really want to get my neck tattooed, my neck, hands, or feet. Uh, I think I'm my hands, I just don't like the way they look when they get old. And let's say you had yeah. a let's say you're empty and you could pick five artists to tattoo you. It, I think if I was empty. I would get one. I would get tattooed by one person. Oh, see, okay, um, <laughs> this I would probably going to work. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would probably just get tattooed by Grind. Okay, top five artists. Um, top five <laughs> artists. <laughs> Fuck so, you. It's got to be five people. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'll make. I'll make. If I was going to get tattooed by five people, um, I would get tattooed more from Grime. I would. Get tattooed from Aaron Kane some more if he were going to be tattooing. I would get tattooed from Tim B. Drawn. I would get tattooed. If I could go back in time, I would get tattooed from Ichibe. And if. One more. One more. That's. that's uh, it's hard to narrow it down like with everything else. Uh, I did I say Luke? No, nope. Stewart, maybe maybe Luke Stewart. Nice. Um, I was trying to think of like more biomech people, but I, I fucked it up. I guess. No, that's a solid, <laughs> that's a super solid five. Or or Rob or something. I don't know. 
I say Rob, token Canadian. Rob Noseworthy for anyone who's listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, actually, here's here's a tough question. Who's one of your just just totally different? Who's one of your favorite biomech tattooers? Yeah, favorite biomech tattooers. Like, who do you like see, and you're like always like, fuck, they just always hit that out of the park. Nobody. <laughs> they all suck. Oh, I was hoping you were going to say something like that. Biomet guys aren't competitive at all. <laughs> um, I want all the business. <laughs> I, Jason Vogt. I, I love Jason's art. I, I love Jason. I love Jason's art. I he's fucking awesome. So he's, he's, you know, I mean, you know, he loves Jason, Jason. loves Jason's art, just not his tattoos. (laughs) No, no, that's what I mean. His tattoos specifically. I like his tattoos more than I like his paintings and stuff. He does make me, I like his illustrations a lot too, but I think if I were to pick all of Jason's art, I like Jason's tattoos the best. Um, Marco Velasquez. I really like his shit. Marcus Leonard. Like, I like his shit. Um, that's it. Yeah. Cool. (laughs) I feel like I'm such a cocksucker saying that, but (laughs) no, it's all good, man. Oh, Oh, wait, there's a fucking guy. Who's the guy? Uh, I, I don't know his name. I think his name's David something. Um, it's his Instagram is Cali Tattoos or like K Cali Cali K A L I guy in Europe. Uh, I think he's in London or England or something. Okay. Um, I don't know him personally or anything like that. I but I'm gonna look him I up think right his now. Tattoos are fat, fucking fantastic. It's all black and or mostly black and gray. Um, I, I think I might follow that guy. Yeah, I, I'm sure as soon as I get off the phone, I'm gonna think of some. I do. I follow that. I follow that guy. Um, yeah, I like that. That all that black and gray stuff. Yeah, it's yeah, it's Kali Kali tattoo. Is that yeah. underscore Kali underscore tattoos? No, it's K A L I T A T T O O. Oh, I've got an S on there. That's why. <sighs> Idiot. Yeah, I know. I'm fucking dummy. Oh yeah! Oh cool! Oh cool! Yeah. Oh, I was just looking at this guy's work the other day. So yeah. weird. Yeah. Follow. Cool. Yeah, oh, I'm sure go. as soon as I look on Instagram, somebody's gonna pop up, and I'm gonna be like, "Oh, I suck." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, but I I forgot. Grimes biomech shit. It fucking yeah. killed me. Yeah. He's like really. Anything I think he does. like. Yeah, but. I think there's something about, and th- and this goes for lots of stuff, but he's like really one of the only, if not the only person who does biomech. When I, some of his stuff, I go, okay, like I can see what he did there, or like kind of the thinking or, or whatever. But then sometimes I look at some shit, Jason votes girlfriend has from her knee down of weird biomech shit with like psychedelic eyeballs and stuff. And I'm just like, like, fuck, I, I give, like, I don't say I give up because I don't give up, but I'm just like, 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 I don't even know what the fuck you did. Like, I don't know. I don't know what the fuck you thought 
to get to the point where you tattooed it and then what you thought while you tattooed it because it's just you know it's just the way he does shit it's just like yeah. fuck off yeah. man like just such another level yeah 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 so yeah awesome. um but yeah that's the, the you know that's my my fives and fives and the funny thing was you you got the you got like the weird fives that I wasn't going to say probably if you ask me <laughs> what are the fives <laughs> I, because of all the podcasts I listened to, I really was like, what am I going to talk about? And uh, really what, what it came down to for me really was like people who, how do I say this? Like to me, when I think about like a person who's a good tattooer, like I try to think of like a person as a whole. Like not just their tattoos, and and Grimes a great example of this because he's a fucking fantastic, intelligent, smart, great person. He treats people super well. Uh, you know, is really inspiring. Uh, in general, like him as just him as a person. And so I was thinking, like, who are who are people who like I look up to like that, and and I think like. So you're going to get that other list now. <laughs> <laughs> I had a like feeling. Like it or not, you're going to hear my fucking list. Uh, I'm like, just going to like, beep you know, every name out. Remain a mystery. <laughs> your words are like daggers in my heart. Um, so, uh, no, like, like back to Tim. Like Tim... Tim's so funny because he's like, I'm so shy and I'm so, you know, introverted and, and all of this shit. The reason I know Tim is because I was on vacation for my anniversary in Chicago and I looked on Instagram and Tim's like, hey, I saw you're in Chicago. I'd never spoken to him before anything. And he's like, I saw you're in Chicago. I really like your work. And I was thinking you might come by and visit me. And <laughs> I was like, yeah, sure. That's great. Like, fuck yeah. Because that's how I feel. Like I, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so I went, I went to his shop. He, he met my wife and I an hour before work or whatever show gave us the tour of the shop and showed us a bunch of art and shit and like that. But like, you know, his, you know, you guys know his illustration and tattooing and everything. And I think he's a guy too. I mean, you know, no tattoo looks no tattoo is done justice by your cell phone or whatever. No. Yeah. But to see his stuff in person too, is just whether it's his old color stuff or newer black and gray stuff or and like that, it's just fucking incredible. Um, and you know, and then of course his illustrations, I, I, other than when I met him, I think I've only seen one or two in person, but that leads me to my next person, which is Ben Merrill from tribal rights. Um, ben is just another fucking ultra solid dude. And I've known him through tattooing for like six or eight years or something. Um, and we have a lot of same interests as like hunting and fishing and shit. I mean, he doesn't do the free diving thing, but you know, he's in Colorado. Well, actually guys free dive in Colorado. Um, 
but I really like his art and his tattooing. He's such a, he's a great technical tattooer, but also just such a, like a nice solid person and like, you know, his interactions with people. And I was, I went there this month and we went, we went to hunt elk, but I went and met his family a couple of days before and a couple of days afterwards. And like his interactions with his, his, he's got like, I think his kids are 14 and 12 or something like, you know, you see like his wife and his interactions with his, their kids and stuff. And, you know, of course they're not going to, well, hopefully not be like whooping their kid's ass in front of me or <laughs> whatever, but not that there was any, you never like, know. you know, like back, you know, nine-year-old girl or whatever, but I don't know. It's just like, like those things like really inspire me about people in tattooing because, you know, like you guys, and I'm sure I've not always been the kindest or most nicest person in tattooing, but I really like, am always inspired by that. So I always like try to keep that kind of stuff in mind. And then, so, you know, meeting him and then getting to know him. And then we spent, uh, 10, 11 days backpacking around trying to kill an elk unsuccessfully in the rain and shit. And, you know, he's, and he's a fucking maniac too. I went from sea level to 11,300 feet Jesus in two days. Fuck. Yeah. And I'm just like, like oh my and God. he's just like, do, 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 do. I'm like, dude, you live at 7,000 feet or something. I'm from the fucking ocean. Like, <laughs> so Ben, Tim, and then Rob again, Rob and Rob and Ben really remind me of each other, like in a lot of ways, you know, not stylistically in tattooing, but like the way they go through the world and treat other people. And, and, and then Rob's just like, I love that Rob will just talk some shit and <laughs> like, you know, I went and visited him at his house a few years ago and we we're sitting out on the porch drink having a drink in the evening and he's like what about this person and i'm like what about him and he's like they're a fucking asshole <laughs> <laughs> like, you're 100 percent right about that fuck that person yeah <laughs> um, but it's so funny when it comes out because you're like he's like oh i'm the nicest canadian guy ever and fuck uh, that guy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he is but, nice and, if you're cool you know yeah. Yeah. He just doesn't like bullshit. Right. Like, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Zero bullshit. Yeah. 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 Totally. And, and I mean, he, got... he, Go worked, ahead, please. he worked as a log scaler. So you could, the yeah. way he came up is not like, didn't come yeah. up in a nice, well, I'm sure it was nice, but he didn't come up in the, you know, cultured high end. You know, but we're I also be think nice starting as, he started a lot later into tattooing. So I don't think he was kind of indoctrinated into kind of that like, the community of like, yeah, you don't talk bad about anybody that's this, like good or on this level of tattooing or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's oh, he calls like, a spade a spade. You're a fucking asshole. Guess what? He's gonna yeah. fucking say it. It's great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, love that guy. Yeah, I met him at that Calgary convention the second time, and I was just having a a really fucking miserable time. I was there with Joey Armstrong and Nick Shaboya and um, Joey <laughs> is on my favorite list people, but we were just having a fucking terrible time. I was just like, I just wanted to torch all tattooers to the fucking ground. We'd go out to dinner 
with a bunch of dudes at a steakhouse and these dudes would just be like fucking shitting on the waitresses and sending shit back and just being the worst fucking examples of like shit bag tattooers and I avoid those cool tatter dinners yeah, usually. Totally. Dude, I was so fucking bummed. And we were next to to Rob and Steve. And I think Rob Job might have been in there with them or, or maybe he was just hanging out because he was friends. But then on the on the last night, I think it was they were like, hey, come like fuck those guys. Come get dinner with us. And I was just so fucking relieved. Like I was like, can I, can I hug you? And like, you're my savior now. Cause I've been fucking <laughs> surrounded by just this, the worst examples of shitty douchebags. And as uh, so we went and got sushi and had a bunch of drinks and, and, and stuff like that. And I've been friends with, uh, with Rob since then, since then. And, and I did, man, I, and then also his ability as an illustrator and yeah, like, fuck, I, I was going to do a, uh, an alligator sleeve and I was kind of making some sketches and I'm like, Hey, can I like text you? I'm like really struggling with this composition and stuff like that. And he's like, yeah, of course. And I sent him and then he's like, like literally like five minutes later, he's like, try this. And he sends me like a full layout of, uh, 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 can you see my arm? No, no, not really. I'm, I'm like gesturing like a fucking madman and shit. I probably just look like a weird bobbing head. It's just like this. Uh, so he sends me this 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 layout of an alligator, and it's like very Canadian in the foreshortening of the alligator's head. Yes, exactly. But the 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 mouth is open. And the, the top jaw is above the elbow. The bottom jaw is below the elbow. Half of the thing's in the underwater. And then there's all these plants. And I was just like, dude, I fucking love you. But that's so far beyond me. Like, like I, can't, I can't take that. Even if I traced that, I don't even know where to begin to add enough shit to make that a fucking, like, a sleep. Like, you know, and I'm so grateful for that. I really... Like it was so kind of him to do that, but uh, at the same time, I was just like, "I, I can't use that." <laughs> I had the same same felt- situation. Yeah, same situation with Steve Moore. I needed to oh. draw a unicorn fighting a narwhal. <laughs> so Steve, like, just oh, what about this? And he starts sketching it, and I'm watching him, and I'm like, "Yeah, that's amazing." I won't be able to tattoo that though, because I'll be able to do that line work that you just did for me, but I won't know how to shade that. So, and, and then I felt super guilty that that I couldn't use the thing that he had given me. Like his his input had gone to wasters. I got all <laughs> fucking like like oh god, I'm so horrible. Uh, no. But yeah, the, the Rob, and then and then I want to include Joey Armstrong in there because he's just like I love that dude like a brother, and um, you know just the years I spent with him at Seventh Son and stuff, and also I just admire him because you know he's come so far in tattooing and stuff like not like he was ever garbage, but like all the stuff I see him post now, I'm just like God damn, it's so like he's really got a. His, a style like I see, if I see a Joey Armstrong dragon, I know it's his. Like 
there's no, or, you know, and most of the other shit he does and you can see the influences and, you know, and uh, I fuck, I love that, but the, there's really like a wild energy to, to what he does. Um, and it's reflective of him as a person because he's like, I got up in the morning and I drew and like for like 45 minutes. And then I worked on this painting and then I took my kid to school and I took my other kid to school. And then I went and trained for two hours. And then I went to the gym and I lift weights and ran five miles. And then I got to my shop at 11 AM and I worked on this painting that I have there. So I've got to get this painting done. because I'm going to make t-shirts and posters out of it. And then my appointment showed up and I tattooed this guy for like 12 hours. And then at, at 6 p.m. somehow 12 hours in six he did like 12 hours of work in six hours and then he's like and then I met my kid after school and we did some football drills and then we worked on wrestling takedowns for a while and then I taught a kid's judo class and then I went home and had some dinner with Shelly that's his wife and then you know, uh, the daughter needed some help with help with her homework and I got that done and then I painted till midnight and I'm just like <laughs> And he's like almost my age too. And I'm like, fuck, why do I feel so tired? And you're fucking ripped and have energy to do shit. And like, he came and worked with me at my studio and I, I, like, I fucking love the guy, but I actually had to tell him like, next time there has to be less hours because <laughs> I don't do 12 hours a, a day. And he had like 12 hours worth of clients. Oh my and God. I'm just like, like, I'm just like, dude, you have, like, how do you do it? And he, and, and, you know, again, and he's like, I, I fucking did it all. Fucking did it. Fuck that guy. I fucking told that guy to fuck off, but I got this other person in here. And like, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, oh, and I want to give George Campisi. Hold on a this second. Is, that's not fine. I'm a big deal. Yet. Top 100. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 Grime. Rob. Tim, Tim, Rob, Grime, Jason, or no, J Jason, J Joey, Joey, sorry. And I got one more. What about, I thought, oh, okay. Yeah, all right. I feel, <laughs> I feel like you're sneaking them in there. I feel like we're up to seven. <laughs> well, and we have the previous list, and then we have the previous list. <laughs> if we're up to seven, then so I, think I we're apologize. Around, we're around 18 total right now. We're going to have to split this into two episodes and one will just be <laughs> Jeff's favorite people. All my favorite people. <laughs> All right. Oh, fuck. Anyway, there's too many. Uh, yeah. George Camp Easy, he's the best. And Cindy Maxwell, she's the best. And I'm done. <laughs> I'll leave it there. Awesome. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, no it's amazing. all good. It's all it's good. Amazing. It's probably the it's best top five we fun. ever had. <laughs> But definitely the best top seven we've ever had. <laughs> best, best top 15. Yeah. We're, we're going to start another podcast. Called... I'm just going to do a, an edit clip of you saying different names. names. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, fuck. It's going to be even funnier when you beep them, beep them all out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, He's what I'll do speak. is I'll beep out right before the name or right after the name so it sounds like he's talking shit. <laughs> totally. <laughs> this part of the interview oh. has been redacted. <laughs> oh, yeah, that George beep, 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 <laughs> that one time. <laughs> beep. 
<laughs> so what he was saying, uh, we had to beep it out because he was saying fuck all these people and we didn't really want it. It was too much. So, yeah, exactly. We'll put something up on awesome. the screen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll just do a, like a news scroll. Not suitable. Yeah. For... <laughs> yeah. 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 Not yeah. suitable for all the new young tattooers that are ears will cry. <laughs> totally. Oh, man. Thank you so much for joining us, Jeff. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah, thank you. I'm I'm so fucking pumped. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. No worries. Thanks a lot. Yeah, and, we appreciate uh, it. It was great getting to know Curly and this amazing guy that tattooed with one arm. You know, the customer had to stretch his own skin. So I did get blood poisoning from him twice. Yeah, twice. <laughs> Hardy brought this whole uh, Japanese influence into American tattooing. Once Dave Shore came onto the scene, it was like tattooing completely changed. If anybody could say anything about greaseball Japanese, it's fucking Dave Shore. Salty, piratey, bikery, just hard not to do. Man, he'd pull in on his chopper with the tattoos and the girls, and I mean, he was just like so cool, man. He captured vulgarity and pleasure and insanity and recklessness. Tattoo in the 80s or 70s, just not the same, uh, yeah. You had to be a tough guy. I was scared shitless. Even though I was, a, you know, kind of a biker guy, these were bigger biker guys, you know? I'm not totally sure you could paint the picture accurately to somebody now getting into tattooing about what it was like then. And the only reason I, f I would say or I feel that way, though, is because they might not believe you. We had the limo waiting for him with all the lines of blow lined up at the airport. This is the way we do it in Canada. <laughs> in the like, 80s, 90s, Paul, Paul Jeffries was like the king of tattooing. It wasn't just in Canada. Like, am I supposed to stop tattooing? Because if this is what I'm supposed to aspire to, <laughs> it's not gonna happen. Each one of these old masters influenced groups of tattooers who in turn influenced other groups of tattooers. True North Strong Tattoo Book. This is a massive tattoo encyclopedia of Canadian tattooers. 350 pages. It's an 11 by 17 coffee table format. Sean and Dan worked tirelessly to get this thing out. And sadly, it never made it to print, so it's available for free download at theholdfastsocialclub.com and championtattoo.ca.